0: Welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is the message given on Sunday morning, July the 24th, by Tom Job on the book of Galatians.
1: Oh, good morning, everyone. So, hello. So, I have this thing that I want to do, which is like for the next little bit or a few weeks or whatever, but I just got thinking about, um, so like if you, when I was like 20, I didn't know anything like at all about the Bible. Like I knew, I knew there was an old, I'd heard there was an old Testament and a new Testament. Um, I didn't know what a Testament was. Um, I didn't know which one came first. I thought, well, first the new and then the old, just like normal. And that turned out to not be true. So, but, um, So there's just things that you're, you know, that you have to learn about it. So in the, in the New Testament, there's, um, so there are these places in, it's kind of a lot of the New Testament where, um, so this guy named Paul, who was um, really one of the first missionaries, like he was the first person to really like leave his country and go to other countries and tell people about Jesus, and he would, like, help people come to know Jesus, and then he would form them in little communities and figure out who God was kind of making the leaders of it and put them in there, and then he would write letters back to them, so um, it maybe if they were having problems or if there were things that he wanted to clarify or maybe he wanted to encourage them or whatever, so that's what a lot of the New Testament is, is just letters from this great missionary to c- people who were kind of new Christians and who were getting learning how to like walk this thing so I just thought it might be kind of fun to just like for the next few weeks just like so second Corinthians what is it what is it about like first Corinthians how is it different than second Corinthians except I think it comes first um, the you know Ephesians who were these people and um And just like every Sunday, just like take one of these books, and it's like, what was that all about? Like, what is that whole thing about? So, um, so today I just wanted to like think for a minute about the the Book of Galatians. What was it about? So I wanted to read to you in. So this comes from Galatians chapter two, where. In verse 16, Paul says, know that a person isn't justified by the works of, like the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So we have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by the law, by faith in Christ Jesus and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, nobody's gonna be justified. And then in verse 19, he said, through the law, I died to the law that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and He gave Himself for me. And then He says, "You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you?" And I was like, "What? Okay, we'll figure out what that's all about." Lord, help us to understand it. Help us to understand these people. Help us to understand ourselves. I mean, I think that's like the the biggest the biggest adventure of life is trying to understand myself and things that you want me to understand about myself so that i could be free we love you in jesus name amen so there was a thing that happened last night it was during the braves game when they're they're playing the angels right now and you know just beating kind of everybody so but the there was a uh, so austin riley he had two strikes and then he had a check swing. Do you know what that is, like a check swing where you're kind of swing, but you don't. And then the first base umpire decides, did he swing or not? And the, and the first base umpire said he didn't swing. He didn't go like all the way around. And then when you looked at the replay, he like totally did. But then the very next pitch, he hit a two run home run. And so the manager for the Angels went crazy and he started screaming and yelling and he got thrown out and he said, You owe us a home run. You gave them a home run. And it's like. No, he gave you like three centimeters. Um, Austin Riley hit a 435 foot home run. So, um, but I just think it's, I love it because it's not something that you see much anymore. It's like managers going crazy and like getting super mad, but because they have instant replay and there's really not that much arguing anymore. But it, I just think it's so fun. I, I usually really, really don't like when people get angry, but for some reason, when managers get angry, I think it's fun to watch them because a lot of times they're just trying to get people riled up. Earl Weaver, who is the manager of the Boston. Uh, of the Baltimore Orioles, he used to, like he would get, he would get to the umpire, like he would get so close, he was a little short guy, but he'd get so close to the umpire, and then he would deliberately with the bill of his cap peck the bill of the umpire's cap just like to aggravate him he got thrown out of a game one time for smoking in the dugout and the next game he came out with the with the like the lineup of his players and he had one of those candy cigarettes in his mouth that they used to sell to kids to get them to start smoking when they were 10 you know so and and he got thrown out of the game for that before the game even started but the record was the Atlanta Braves the great manager Bobby Cox who has a record that will never be broken that he was thrown out of 161 games he was the only manager Ever to be thrown out of a World Series game, he was thrown out of a World Series game twice. Once it was the seventh game of the World Series, and with Jeff Francoeur, who's kind of like the Braves announcer, the first game he ever played for the Braves, he got thrown out of it, and he was a little bit upset. And Bobby Cox went out to defend him, and he got thrown out. And so Jeff Francoeur he said, "I don't really know what to do with this." And Bobby Bobby Cox said, uh, "Don't worry about it. Just go home, drink a couple of beers, and they're going to give you a fine for five hundred dollars. You can just pay it, or you can do what I do. I always write." him a check for ten thousand dollars and say hey let me know when i need to make a deposit like on this but but so but so lots of times so when you read the book of galatians like in paul was writing to them he was so upset i mean like he was just about to totally lose it a lot of the letters that he wrote to people they were real like he would start it out by just saying like y'all are awesome you're just doing so great like in the book of romans he said your all's faith is known all over the world everybody knows how much how you know much you believe In Jesus and I'm thinking do I know anybody whose faith is famous and I have met some people who had a famous faith one time I was I was in a country and there were it was a country that was having a civil war and the different factions, people from the different factions of the Civil War had there were they were both they were Bosnian Muslims and Croatian uh, Catholics and Serbian Orthodox and they had come to a strong personal faith in Jesus and they had become a family like in this church and they would meet in this church it was in the city of Mostar and they it was in the basement of a bombed out apartment building and there would be snipers shooting at them from the roof of apartment buildings while they zigzagged their way to church and they filled it twice on sunday and they had prayer meeting on wednesday and everybody came I mean it was it was just kind of amazing to meet them. In the letter the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians he said you're all love. Everybody knows about your love everywhere. And it's just like that would be so cool to be like a Christian, like a Christian community and everybody knows you for how much love you have. I mean I used to have a church in in um, Milan Italy that was an Arab it was an Arab language church. It was mostly Egyptian Christians and there were some Jordanians and most and some Lebanese but They were amazing like their faith was amazing and the love they had for each other was so one time we were going to have a starting worship service and there were two guys and everybody knew that they had had a fight and like they had kind of fallen out and they weren't talking with each other and you know and they came to church and every and before church the like the guys that were like the leaders of the church they got they said no no we're not doing this. We're not going to worship Jesus Christ, knowing that you two guys are not, are not speaking to each other. It would be like making fun of him. Y'all reconcile this right now. Let's get, I mean, let's do the hug it out right now. And they confessed, and they cried, and they hugged, and we praised. I mean, it was just so amazing. But um, so so, but, but there was none of that. Like for these Galatians. Paul said, I am astonished at y'all. I am so, he, he said, I am so perplexed. I am completely flummoxed. He said, you have deserted the one who called you. You have turned your back on on like on jesus he said you're bewitched y'all are bewitched and you're under a curse and he uses another word who said you're stupid too for doing that and i was like whoa like i mean like like wow what are you talking about and so but he was so mad about it and he was really letting them have it. This was probably the first uh, letter he ever wrote. And these were, these were a, a community of, of Christians who actually where Austin and Carrie live, so kind of near there. But he said, okay, so this is what y'all did. Okay, A, you were in a terrible situation. And B, I got you all to an awesome place, and then C, you went from B back to A. Like, you went, you went from the awesome place you were back to, like, the terrible place you were. And so, in, in the book of Galatians, one image that he uses over and over again is he was like, so you were in a place, that, he said, the only way I can really think about it, like, spiritually, where you were, it's kind of like, it was like slavery. Like, you were it's like you were enslaved spiritually. And he talks about that a lot. Like, the, the book of 1 Corinthians has 16 chapters. And he talks about, um, in 1 Corinthians, he uses the, that image in the word slavery six times. Like, Ephesians has six ta- chapters, just like Galatians. But in Ephesians, he talks about slaves for slave and slavery four times but in Galatians that has six chapters he talks about it 13 times and he said, it was like you were, guys, were, like, it was kind of like spiritual enslavement. And then I got you to the place where you were like sons and daughters, like in the family, like you were, like, in the family of God. Like, in First Corinthians, he uses the word sons and daughters, like, three times. In Ephesians, he uses it three times. In Galatians, he uses it nine times. Like, this is, like, you, I had you at a place where it's almost like you were, like, like, It was a, it was like a super common thing in the Roman empire that for people to be slaves, you know, it's like, that's what you, it was like, that's where you were spiritually. And I got you to be a member of the family. And then you went back and I like, I totally don't, I totally don't um, understand it. You know, one thing when I think, you know, when you think about like slavery in the time of the new Testament and slavery, in the time of the Roman empire and people said, well, one thing I think that a person who was enslaved, like one of the things that would have been one of their greatest struggles is to have like a sense of personal worth. Like there's two uh, there's two slaves that are mentioned in the book of Romans in chapter 16. And one of them is named Tercio. And there's another one whose name is Cuarto. The only thing about it is Tercio. It, it wasn't really a name. It was a number. They didn't have names. Tercio means three and quarto means four. They didn't ha- even have names. They just had a number. There's In, in the book Roots, the, Alex Haley, who wrote it, his great-great-granddad was brought from Africa, and they gave him the name Toby, and he hated it. You know, because his name was Kunta Kinte. And he said, that's my name. When he was born, his dad, whose name was Omero, what, what he did, the dads always named their children. They picked the name and they would wait for three days to tell the name. And what they would do is they would take the child out under the stars alone. And they would tell them, this is your name three times, your name is Kunta Kinte. Your name is Kunta Kinte. Because he said everybody should be the first person to hear and know their own name and they didn't even have one. It would be tough to have a sense of worth. It would be tough to have a sense of purpose, like for my life, what is my life? It's just doing what people tell me and, it's, and that's what it is. And I just do this work and I don't ever get anything out of it. And, um, and it would be tough to have hope, like that it would ever be anything different than this. But then they had come to know Jesus and and they had a like even whether a person was slaves although like in, in early christianity like a gigantic percentage of the those communities were made up of slaves because they f- Jesus gave them worth, like Jesus gave them a name. In Galatians, it says, God is your dad. He becomes your daddy. You're like one of his kids. You have purpose now. Christ is being formed in you. Your purpose in life is to become somebody that nobody could be but you. Nobody will ever be but you, like a completely unique person. And you have hope. He said he delivered you. He's rescuing us from this present evil world. And now we're heirs. We have hope now when we didn't have hope Hope before that's why like African like in in African American spirituals like of our history so many of the songs they sang were about hope that they had found in Jesus that they never would have found in any other way I've heard of a place called heaven and I'm longing to make it my home steal away steal away to Jesus Steal away home. I ain't got long to live here. So, um, so he said, you've, you've come to know that and know the freedom of being a son and a daughter. But now somehow you've gone back. He said, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know why you went back to a kind of a to a kind of a spiritual slavery again. Um, can, I read you, can I read you something real quick? This, it was, this was something that um, was in the Smithsonian Institute, but it was a letter written, there was a, it was a letter written by a person who had been an ex-slave in Big Spring, Tennessee. And his name was Jordan Anderson And he was liberated by, they were liberated by the Union soldiers in 1864. And he had gone to Dayton, Ohio where he was working with his wife and kids and where his old master back in Big Springs, Tennessee had written him a letter and asked if he'd come back and work for him for pay. And so he answered him back and said to my old master Colonel H.P.H. Anderson, Big Spring, Tennessee, sir, I got your letter and I'm glad to find you haven't forgotten Jordan and that you wanted me to come back and live with you again, promising to do better for me than anyone else. Even though you shot at me twice before I left you, I'm glad you're doing well. I wanna know particularly what the good chance you propose proposed to me. I'm doing very well here. I make $25 a month with food and clothing. There's a comfortable home for for Mandy, the folks call her Mrs. Anderson, and the children. If you will write and say what the wages you'll give me, I'll be better able to decide whether it would be my advantage to come back. Mandy says she would be afraid to go back without some proof that you were disposed to treat me justly and kindly. We've concluded that to test your sincerity by asking you to send us our wages for the time we served you. This would make us forget and forget old scores and rely on your friendship in the future. I served you faithfully for 32 years, Mandy for 20 years. At $25 a month for me and $2 a week for Mandy, our earnings would amount to $11,680. Please send the money to Adams Express in care of V. Winters, Esquire, Dayton, Ohio. If you failed to pay us for faithful labors in past, we have little faith of your promise in the future. And we trust the good maker has opened your eyes to the wrongs which you and your fathers have done it to me and my fathers. Surely there will be a day of reckoning for those who defraud the labor of his hire, your old servant Jordan. Say howdy to George Carter and thank him for taking the pistol from you when you were shooting at me. And it's just like, <laughs> if you have a taste for it, why would you go back, you know, if you have a taste for it? And it's the so the, the, the spiritual slavery that Paul was talking about was... Um, so it has to do with three words that you can hear roll around over and over and over and over again in the book of the Galatians. It's kind of like when you leave change in your pants and they're going around in the dryer and you can just hear them going around and around and around again. But they're the, they're, they're the words flesh, the word sin, and the word law. So in two minutes, if you'll let me give you a little theological vocabulary lesson that what those mean and why they lead to such slavery. So. Um the idea the basic idea I think that you get like when you just open the Bible is that God created human beings to love them it's just there was so much love within the within the blessed trinity father son and holy spirit are just overflowed it's why newlywed couples always get dogs you know I said don't get a dog you'll never be this free but they just have so much love they just need to bring a dog into it it's just like God created human beings to love it. he created us with certain needs and needs for food needs for sex needs for worth needs for purpose needs for hope and the idea would be that God would create satisfy those needs so beautifully that we would be like, you're so awesome. We just love you more and more. And this relationship of dependency would just grow and grow into love, you know, a greater love. So God made us with needs for food and he invented linguini alla matriciana and you t- put two big handfuls of parmigiano reggiano and put it in with that like a buon vino rosso, una bonarda di Lombardia. And you just say, God is so good. You know, he gives me this need and he satisfies it. But human beings said collectively and without exclusion, um, we don't want that. Like, we don't want, I don't want to be a little baby depending on God. I don't don't want to depend on anybody. We want to do this ourselves. So that's basically what flesh means when Paul uses it. Me on my own. Me on my own. I'm on my own. And I still have these needs. And so I'm not depending on God now. I'm going to meet my needs my way. So anything that you would call sin, if you think about it, it's somebody meeting a God-given need in a time and or in a way God doesn't want. So you think he created us with sexual needs, I'm not gonna wait on him, I'm not gonna trust in him, I'm gonna get this need met any way I can. What if I hurt somebody? I don't really care about that. Um, I have a need for hope. I don't have any hope. What am I going to do? I'm going to um, uh, start drinking too much. you know. And you can pretty much see how quickly this would turn into kind of like I'm becoming like this horrible human being. So I think, how can I be a better human being, even though I'm completely on my own and completely independent? And that's where that word law comes in. Give me some rules for how to be a better human being. So um, the only problem with that is, since I don't have God of my life. I, um, I can't really get any better. So in trying to be better and following laws and rules and stuff, all I can do is compare myself with you. And then I wind up hating you. I wind up judging you. I wind up criticizing you. I wind up quarreling. I wind up uh, us against them, and we're better than them. And I wind up. Um, calling people names. And I wind up uh, uh, talking about them behind my back because it makes me feel better about myself. And, you know, and so there's this place in, in Galatians chapter five, like in the end, when people are on the room, this is what they do. He said they become mean-spirited and nasty-spirited and judgmental and hateful. And it's just, and, it's, and they're never going to get out of it because this is them trying to do their best. And they're never going to get out of it. It's just a slavery on the other hand he said if I get my worth in Jesus like I get my worth from I have his name I have Jesus inside of me that's my purpose in life I have a purpose is to be the person that he made me to be and I have hope I I just have hope that I'm gonna that I'm an heir he calls me an heir in that book and I just move into this world that he talks about in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 5 it's just easier for me to love and to have joy now, and to have peace, and to be patient, and to be kind, and to be gentle, and to be sweet. It's like being free. So how do I get from that world Of judgment and criticism and quarreling and being nasty spirited and mean-spirited to this other world of freedom where it's easy for me to be joyful and to have peace and to love and to be good to be gentle and all that stuff Paul said that's what my gospel that's what my message was I mean that's his thing like I have a message in chapter one he said I didn't invent this God gave it to me it's the message I share everywhere it's the message I shared with y'all yo i mean you know that's what he's basically saying and the message is this like we made a total mess of this we all completely did that's why jesus came because he loved you because he loved me and he was he says in chapter three he said he was crucified for me like he bore all of my guilt and when you believed in him you were justified it it doesn't mean Forgiven. It means more than forgiven. It means you're forgiven for everything you've ever done to ever will do in an instant. He said, um, your justification basically means in a way that's impossible for us to understand. When Jesus died in that horrible way, our guilt was transferred to him. And that's what I deserved. And he took it even though he had never done anything wrong. And when you trust in him in ways that I think it's impossible to us for us to fully understand, his righteousness is transferred to you even though we've never done anything 100% right. So I am righteous in the sight of God, you know, in Jesus. And I'm I'm not in the flesh anymore. I'm not on my own anymore. Jesus lives inside of me. My life isn't a continual sin fest now, because Paul said, I'm learning to live by faith in him. I'm learning to trust him to meet my needs. And it's not based on law. Everything I have now, everything I have, everything I am, everything I ever hoped to be, is free, is a gift. It was a gift that was given to me and really pretty much the because jesus died for me so pretty much the only emotions i should really feel pretty much all the time and every day is it's like that woman who was remember kind of a prostitute or whatever and she had had an encounter with jesus and she had been forgiven of everything and everything she'd ever done do or will do you know and she was so thankful. She came to a party she was not invited to. She ran to the feet of Jesus. She just kissed his feet and cried and snot all over him and just wiping his feet and putting perfume on. him. All I feel is thankful. All I feel is thankful. I'm just thankful that I've been forgiven because he loved me so much and I love him. I love Jesus. And if thankfulness and love for Jesus had a baby, it would be joy. I'm just like joyful. That's what I should, that's what I should be. And that's how I live in the new world that I'm in. It's because I'm just thankful. Have you felt that like just thankful to Jesus? I'm just thankful to him all the time that he died for me and that he accepted me and I love him and I'm joyful. What could possibly ruin that? Um. Paul said, Where'd your joy go there, folks? You know, what could ruin that? So, what had happened? The only thing that could ruin that is if, in somehow or in some way, I might think that I contributed in some way to that. Or that somehow I some in a way that I don't really want to fully look at, but in some way I must have kind of deserved this, or I must have kind of earned it. So what happened was after Paul told them this amazing message and left them with hearts filled with thankfulness and love and joy, you know, because I have something I never could have I never could have earned. There were some people who came behind him and they said, Yeah, right, 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 whatever. But um Okay, uh, it's true. What Paul said is true, like declared righteous, you're in the kingdom of God, blah, blah, blah. However, in the kingdom of God, there are some people that are more right than other people. Like there are some people that are a little bit more. There are some people who are a little better. There are some people who are more better than other people, and not everybody's the same. It has to do with the way you eat. It has to do with the way you dress. It has to do with the way you are. It has to do with the way you worship. And if you really want to be more better, you should be like us, or you should eat like us, or you should dress like us, or you should worship um, like us. Because it's better and they're like we could be better we could be better than other people but it's just a subtle thing that if you really want to be better you have to be like me you can't be and Paul said no he said he said Peter slipped into that it's so subtle when he was in Antioch and it was a big community of Christians all kinds of Christians From all different, the word Gentiles is the Greek word ethne. It's where you get ethnicity, all different ethnicities. And Jesus loved everybody the way they were. And he created people that way. And people, Peter just was in that community. And then when people from his culture came, he stopped associating with those people and only associated with his people. And Paul said, I confronted him to his face because it was not consistent with the gospel that you're loved, and you're loved just the way you are. And so I think in my life, how do I know if that's happening to me, that I've gone into a mentality that I know I'm accepted in Jesus, but somehow we're a little bit better, or somehow we're a little bit more. Somehow we're a little bit, a little more better. And I ask myself this question. Have I gotten into the habit of judging people? The only reason I do it is I'm telling myself I'm better. Have I gotten into the habit of being critical of people who have nothing to do with me or whatever, but just being critical of other people? Have I gotten into the habit of calling people names? Have I gotten into the habit, if I look at my life, do I talk about people behind their back? And my other question is this, if I do those things, does it fill me? With thankfulness and love and joy in Jesus Christ, or does it not? Whenever anybody in the Gospels is is just living a full, open-hearted expression of thankfulness to Jesus and love for him for what he did for them and what he gave them and the joy that they have in him. There's almost always somebody watching and judging. The prodigal son had a big brother who was watching him and judging him. The sinful woman who came to that house had Simon, who was, she was loving Jesus. He was watching her and judging her. Mary had her sister Martha, who was watching her and judging her. The question I have is, which one of those am I going to be? I want to be the one who is filled with, I'm not going to judge anybody, criticize. I want to be one who is filled with thankfulness, filled with love for Jesus, for what he's done for me every day, that he died for me every day, filled with love and thankfulness and joy, because it's more fun to be in that than to be in the other. There's one place, there's a place in uh, in Luke chapter 18, where it, there's a a publican, a tax collector, and a Pharisee, and they were in the temple in Jerusalem. And, um, and the tax, and this Pharisee was just judging. And he just looked, and he said, Lord, I thank you I'm better than everybody. I'm thankful I'm better, I'm at least better than a stupid tax collector by me. He's like the worst. And the tax collector was the one who said, oh God, have mercy on me. I'm the worst sinner ever. And Jesus said, he's the one who went home justified. And the only thing that super bothers me about that is that he didn't know it. He went home justified, but where's the thankfulness? Where's the love for Jesus? He didn't know he was justified. And you flip over one page, and in chapter 19, Jesus was passing through Jericho that was eight miles from Jerusalem. And he stopped under a tree, and there was a person in it. And it was a tax collector. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to talk to you. And they went to their house. And they had a conversation. And we don't know what they said. And Zacchaeus came out so full of thankfulness to Jesus and love for Jesus and joy. And I'm giving half my money away. You know the conversation I think they had was, remember last week? when you were in that temple and you said, God be merciful, you're mine, buddy, I love you. I think, Lord, the world is waiting for us. The world is waiting for people who are filled with love for Jesus. and a a thankfulness that they just can't get over. It just grows and grows and grows every day. For the simple fact that you paid for us, and the simple fact that you made us your own, and the simple fact that we're forgiven, and the simple fact that we have a name now, we have a purpose now, we have hope now, the world is waiting for people like that, that just are full of joy in Jesus. Let it be me. Let it be us
0: in your name. I was lost, I was aimless, I was broken, I was hopeless, I was hurt, I was lonely, thinking of myself only. But Jesus made E